Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be, of you be worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Cool. Thank you, girls. That was so good. Appreciate that. Hey, if you've got your Bibles there, make sure you keep them open. We'll look at it on the screen as well behind me. If we haven't met before, my name's Ben. It's really good to be back, and it's really good to open God's Word and look at this passage. So let's pray together, and then we'll hook into it. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have to be here together this morning. God, you are the living God who has created all things, and you're the God who speaks to us who knows us and sees us and provides for us. We pray this morning, Lord, that you would comfort us and that you would be among us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the last few years, uh, news websites have gotten into live blogs. I don't know if you've seen this. I feel like it began kind of in the COVID era, but a live blog is simply the news as it comes in, headline after headline. And this week, I found myself reading another live blog of the news that happened this week in Russia. In case you missed it, uh, the president of Russia declared a partial uh, military mobilization, which essentially meant 300,000 more Russians would fight in the Russian and Ukrainian war. Now, I've got to admit, I don't really understand what this means, and I don't really understand what the implications are of it, but it was quite interesting for me as I was reading this, and as the headline was coming in, and as, as the world leaders were commenting on it, and experts were getting in on it, as I was seeing one article after the next, I began to notice a feeling in me rise up, and it was the feeling of anxiety. It was, it was worry. It was anxiety because it was this feeling that I'm not in control and I don't understand this. I don't know what the implications are of this. I don't know what this means for us in Australia. And I don't know what this means for people around the world. It was anxiety. It was worry. Now, this didn't last all that long. But the reality is anxiety and worry are never that far away. In fact, it's why some people call the age that we're in the age of anxiety. Beyond Blue, a website that's so helpful for mental health, says in Australia, one in four people in their lifetime will have, a, will have an anxiety disorder. That's a really big deal. One in four of us will have that. Anxiety and worry is a huge thing in our age. And if it's not the disorder, 
the rest of us still know this feeling, worry and anxiety about health, about our grades, about what people think of us, about social circumstances, about our money, about our income, about our future, whatever it is, we know this feeling. And so today we want to ask a pretty simple question, which is this, what does God speak about anxiety? How does God help us in the age of anxiety? What does God say to comfort us, to guide us, to strengthen us in the middle of this? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's Word. We're going to hear God speak into this very important issue in this passage we had read out for us before. Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in here for a few weeks now in the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus is teaching His followers about what it means to follow Him. And in this passage, we see Jesus go head on towards this issue. So let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 6, where it begins in verse 25. Jesus is speaking. He says this, Therefore I tell you, Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So what does God help us? How does God help us in the age of anxiety? Well, he gives us an invitation here this morning, and it's quite simple. He says this, Therefore I tell you, don't worry. That's the invitation from God. Don't worry. Now we have to explore that don't we? We have to explore what Jesus means here this morning. What does he mean when he says, therefore, don't worry? Well, let's set the context here. That's important. The, the word, whenever you read therefore, that reminds us that what has come before has implications for what we now see. And the section just before this in our Bibles is where Jesus says, uh, don't store up your treasures on earth, store them up in heaven. You can't serve both God and money. And essentially, we looked at this a few weeks ago, what Jesus was saying was money is a terrible God. Money won't deliver, it will fade. And so now, in this passage, Jesus is saying here, therefore, since money is a terrible God, don't worry about the things that money buys. Don't worry about food and clothes and drink and whatever else money buys. Now, this is helpful for us because many of us know the feeling of worrying about things to do with money. Right? We, we know that experience of things to do with money. If, if ever you've had that, you know, the moment where all the bills come in at once. The feeling in that moment is a little bit of worry, anxiety, or the the moment where you've got an unexpected expense and you don't have the money to pay for it, or where rent goes up, or interest rates go up. Lately, it feels like we've been feeling this a little bit. And so Jesus says, in relation to things to do with money, don't worry about those things. But of course, what we're going to see today is it's not just things to do with money. In fact, in verse 34, he's going to say, don't worry about your future. So the principle here is whatever causes us to worry, Jesus says, don't worry about that. So whether it's your health, whether it is your social circumstances, whether it is your future, your relationship status, whatever it is that causes you anxiety or worry, Jesus says, don't worry. That's the invitation he gives us this morning. The invitation to us all in the age of anxiety, don't worry. Now, of course, this raises a pretty important question. How is that a good thing? How is that a good thing? Because if you've experienced anxiety before, you know that if someone just tells you don't worry, it's nearly never a good thing. It's nearly never helpful, you know, and usually they're looking at you like you're a fool and they say, don't worry about that thing. You know, I've I've been there. It's not always helpful just being told not to worry. So how is this different from Jesus? Well, we've we got to keep reading, of course. So we move from the invitation, don't worry, to the reason why we cannot worry. And this is what Jesus goes into saying. And essentially what he's going to say is, don't worry because the living God who made everything knows you, sees you, and will provide for you. And to do that, he says, let's look at the birds and the flowers. So let's hook into this and let's look at the birds and the flowers. He says this in verse 26. Don't worry, and then look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. 
They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So Jesus gives us the invitation, don't worry, and then he gives us the reason why. And he says this essentially at the heart of it is because God governs the world and he sees you and knows you and will provide for you. And to do that, he says, let's look at some, th- some things. Let's look at the birds. Okay, so, so let's look at the birds. Now, I know that among us this morning, there are kind of two groups of people, people who love birds and people who are indifferent to birds. The line between that, I think, is at some point in your 30s. So if you don't love birds, you will. But regardless of that, Jesus says, let's look at the birds. So, so let's think about it, right? You know that crow that you see each day? The magpie that sweeps you, the pigeons that poo, the kookaburras that laugh. Let's think about those birds. Jesus says those birds, if you didn't know this, they don't store away in barns. That's a, very, that's a pretty simple thing from Jesus, isn't it? He's saying, did, did you know this? Birds don't have banks that they put their seed into in summer. And then in winter, they go to the bank and get seed out. That, that is essentially what Jesus is saying. We knew that, didn't we? I hope you knew that this morning. But Jesus is making a point here. He's saying, if those birds that don't do that, if God provides for those birds, how much more will God provide for you? How much more will God look after you? Now, this is not advocating laziness. It's important to note that. In fact, the Bible never does that. Uh, Thessalonians says that the lazy shouldn't eat. If you're not willing to work for your food, you shouldn't eat. Proverbs says the sluggard should look at the ant and learn from how the ant works for its food. This is not advocating laziness, but it is saying God stands behind the provision and God provides for the birds. So how much more will God look after you, a child of his who can call the living God Father? So he points to the birds first and foremost, but then he goes to the flowers. Now again, flowers is kind of similar to bird, isn't it? You know, there's people who love flowers and people who are indifferent to flowers. This line, I think, is probably mid-50s, right? That's a little bit later. I'm not there yet, so I don't know things about flowers. But the point here is wildflowers. So if you've ever been on a drive out to the country and you're driving along and you just see in the middle of nowhere there's those trees. Now for me... I call them the yellow trees. You know the ones that I'm talking about? The yellow trees. They're just everywhere at some point in the year, and they're, they're flowering and they're beautiful. Now, again, Jesus is making a very simple point here, and his point is this. Those trees don't labor or spin for their look, right? Did you know that? Trees, they're not thinking, we've got to get ready for the spring fashion, they're not thinking, all right, summer's coming up, so I've got to get my summer bod in order. Trees don't do that, and yet the wildflowers at some point in the year just look great. And Jesus says, hey, you know those wildflowers that are here today and gone tomorrow? Well, if God could clothe those flowers, how much more is God going to provide for you? Jesus is saying a very simple principle here, isn't it? Saying a very simple thing, if God looks after the small things, how much more will he look after you? 
Now, I, I, I do love what Jesus is saying here, because essentially at the heart of it is look at God's track record. Look at how God has acted in the past. And when you see how God has acted in the past, it can transform your present feelings towards the future. Because when we look at the track record in the past, we see God's provision. And of course, we see it with the birds and with the flowers, but we also have a greater way that God has provided for humanity. It's at the cross, right? As Jesus would live his life, he would go on to die and rise again to deal with humanity's greatest problem, our sin. And in, at the cross, we see the greatest need fulfilled. And so when we look at God's track record with birds and flowers and the cross, what it does is it transforms our present feelings and our present reality so that we can be confident He will provide for us in the future. We get the invitation, don't worry. We get the reason why, because God sees you, knows you, and will provide for you. Now notice here, though, this is not the end of this passage. Information, the reason, is not the end of this. Now, I think that's kind of interesting because when it comes to worry and anxiety, it's not always understanding that fixes things. You know, I've had that experience before where I've been anxious and I've been worried and I know the truth and yet the feeling's still there. Sometimes I can even look at my situation and I can feel like I'm being silly. I can feel like I know the truth and yet I'm still anxious. Sometimes knowledge doesn't resolve things. And in this passage, Jesus doesn't stop with knowledge. He actually gives us an action point. And we see this in the next verse, where Jesus shows us what to pursue. We call it the pursuit. Have a look at this, the invitation, the reason, and then we get to the pursuit. In verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom. There's the action point. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The invitation, the reason, the pursuit, seek first the kingdom of God. This is an action point. Seeking is a doing thing. We have to go after it. You don't seek by accident. It's something that we've got to be intentional about going after. And Jesus is saying, seek him first. Reorientate yourself so that God is at the center and everything else falls around it. Now again, this is, this is quite profound because what worry does and anxiety does, it distracts us. In fact, the very Greek word that Jesus is using here, it has connotations of distraction. Because when you think about worry and anxiety, what happens is, and, and again, this is true for me, I get the feeling and then my thoughts go on that thing. It consumes me at times. But Jesus says, in the middle of this, reorientate yourself, seek him first. And when we seek him first, it puts everything else in its place. It's an action point. It's a pursuit. We have to go after this to actually seek God first in the middle of worry. So there it is, the invitation, the reason, and the pursuit. Now, of course, we've got to then ask, okay, so what does this even look like? It's a very simple passage that Jesus is speaking to here about a very profound issue. But we do have to ask, what does this actually look like? What does this mean for us as we think about this, particularly in the age of anxiety? What does this look like as we think through understanding what Jesus says and pursuing Jesus and seeking him first? Well, what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to give you two thoughts, and then I'm going to invite two people up to talk about this. It's a really important thing to speak to, to hear about people's experience. So I'm going to invite some people up to talk about this. But let's start first and foremost 
with two thoughts from me about what this means for us as we think through understanding seeking God first in the middle of this. First and foremost, my first thought is this, some of us might need to seek professional help. That's the first thought here. Right? The, the reality is if Beyond Blue is right, and I think statistically they're going off research, one in four of us will struggle with this. And that means, that means we do need to see someone to get some help about this. Now, I know that we as a society are losing the stigma to seeking professional help in regards to mental health. I think that's a great thing. But just want to reiterate that this morning. It's not a sign of weakness to see a doctor. It's not. It's just what you do. It's not a sign of weakness or shame to go and get some help about this particular thing. For me, I did this. I began a couple of years ago to see a psychologist about my anxiety. It's, it wasn't a sign of weakness for me to do that. In fact, for me, it took strength to confront the fact that I needed help. And I'm not exaggerating this. It was one of the best decisions I made. We've got, we got to lose the stigma attached to this. And if, if you're someone that needs some help with this, I'd love to encourage you. To, uh, yeah, I'd love to encourage you to seek. Really important point to just lose my language. But I'd love to encourage you to seek some professional help about this. It is one of the best things you, that you can do. So the first thing is that sometimes we need some help outside of us. Secondly, though, what does it mean to seek God first? You know, sometimes the idea to seek God first can be a little bit vague. You know, we know we've got to seek God first, but what does this actually look like? So today, what I want to um, give you is a tool that uh, I've found super helpful as a kind of a practical tool that you can use to seek God first in the middle of anxiety. This is not my own. I did not invent this. In fact, I got this from my psychologist. But I want to share with you that, that how, just how helpful this tool has been. In our house, we call it very simple, in, back, up, forward. The idea is you explore what you're thinking to seek God first in the middle of what you're feeling. Now, to do this, you do need to find some time to do this. You know, for me, I usually get a pen and a paper and sit at a cafe. That's, that's my sweet spot when I'm doing this. And so you've got to find some time to do this. Now, I know in and back, it's going to feel a little bit, um, maybe it's not going to be completely clear how we're seeking God first, but once you get to the up, you'll see it, okay? So let's, let's explore this together. I'm also going to share a very real thing for me um, in how I can do this, just because it's, I think it's helpful to see what it actually looks like for someone to do this, okay? So in... This is the first question that you ask yourself. What am I thinking or feeling? The idea is to be curious about your emotions, about your thoughts. If it's about worry and anxiety, about your worry and anxiety, but it might just be about something else you've got to process. Okay, so the first step is thinking, what's going on for me? What I've realized is that when you sit down and think about this, you begin to see that there's often more going on than just what you think. You know, sometimes our feelings can be like an iceberg. You get the tip, which is the, the top of the iceberg, which is what the present situation is, and then you get a bunch of stuff underneath. So let me give you an example of a very present um, anxiety for me. And I should just say, uh, usually no one hears or sees this. But I hope that my experience of this this morning will be helpful for you to think about this. So the context of this is, uh, for me, about four weeks ago, I got new sunglasses and I got an eye test. And uh, as I got the eye test, uh, it came back that uh, I have a moderate chance of developing glaucoma, which I don't really understand what that means. I've got to go get another test. 
but I know that that uh, glaucoma is something where your eyes kind of destroy itself. Okay, so, so here's my in about that. Because when I heard that, I felt anxious. You know, you don't want to be told that. So uh, my immediate feeling in that moment was worry. On top of that, as I sat down and I explored this feeling, I began to see that there was more attached to just my worry. Um, I, I began to be a little bit scared of losing my sight. Um, digging into this, I, I got a little bit sad. See, the good thing about doing this with a pen and paper is no one sees this. But for me right now, everyone's seeing this. So uh, I got a little bit sad because I began to think about what I'd miss out on with Poppy growing up and that. And then obviously with work as well. So like, I don't know how to do my job if I didn't have any sight. Now, you can begin to see that like, I only thought I was worried about what the doctor told me, but then there's all this other stuff there as well that's just sitting with me that I didn't even know. So sitting down and processing it, you just get curious with your thoughts and your feelings, and all of a sudden you begin to see there's all this other stuff going on there as well. So that's the in. You're exploring your thoughts and feelings. It can be about what you're worried or you're anxious about. Then you, the next step is you go back. Now this is a moment where you go back to what triggered that. So this might be back to childhood. You know, it might be back, you know, 10, 15 years ago to what people have said. This is why sometimes you need some help exploring this with someone. But, but this is where you go back. Now, for me, in this particular issue, this is a very simple one. It's not always simple for me, but in this particular issue, it was because it just got triggered four weeks ago when I, got that, when I went and got my eye test. Okay, so that one for me is very simple. Okay, so in, back. Now, then you go up. This is where you ask the question, what would God say about the present circumstance? Now, this is where the, the pieces come together, I think, and where actually it becomes very tangible about how you seek God in the middle of your anxiety and worry because you're asking, what does God say about what I just explored? So when I think about my circumstance, here's what I think God would say to my circumstance. God would say, bro, I made the birds and the flowers and I made you. It's such a comfort to know that I'm not an accident, but the living God made me. I think God would look at my circumstance and he'd say, don't worry about tomorrow. That'll sort itself out. Today has enough struggles of its own. God would say to me in the middle of this, his promise from the end of Matthew, where he promises to be with his people always. And so I can think whatever comes my way, the living God is present with me. I love to know that I'm not alone in whatever I face. The living God is with me. And finally, in my circumstances, God would remind me of the cross and remind me that my identity and my worth doesn't come from what I do, whether it's work or home or wherever else, but my identity and my security comes through what Jesus has done at the cross in, back, up, and then forward. How do we go forward knowing what we've just processed? How do I go through, you know, the next hour, the next day, doing, you know, hearing what God's just said? And this is, is really good for me because I can be confident that the God who made me is with me and will provide for me. I can do anything knowing that truth. In, back, up, forward. Now, depending on the worry or the anxiety, I've got to do this more. But on a normal week, I try and do this about once a week. If I, if I can't, then it's about once a fortnight. But seeking God, the action of seeking God, you have to be intentional with it. It can't just happen. Like we're all busy, 
Every one of us is busy, but if we want to seek God in the middle of this, we've got to set time aside to actually do this. Now, here is a tool that you can use. I'd love to hear how it goes for you. I'd love to hear the experience that you have with this. If you want help with knowing this, I'd love to help with that as well. But there's a tool just to help actually put flesh in the bones to how you can seek God first in the middle of this. Okay, so two things from me. Number one, seek professional help. If you need to do that, I want to encourage you to do that. Number two, seek God first. Now, I think it's really important that we hear from people in the middle of speaking about anxiety. We need to wrestle with this issue individually, many of us do, but we also need to think about how we care for other people in the middle of this. If one in four of us have, anxi- have an anxiety disorder according to the Beyond Blue website, then this is something we've got to think about. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to give a round of applause and encouragement to Elizabeth and Holly, who I'm going to invite to come up and talk about this issue. Oh, no, I've got a cord as well. All right, I'm going to keep talking while I grab a chair. But there is some irony to asking people who are anxious to come and speak in front of people. So uh, I just want to say, you know, uh, speaking about vulnerability, sometimes we think about it as a weakness to speak about vulnerability. Brene Brown is a researcher in shame and vulnerability, and she says it's actually a strength to talk about vulnerability because everyone's vulnerable. Some of us just hide that, and some of us are asked to speak about it. So uh, thank you for your strength this morning to come up and speak about this. Now, I'm going to ask the same questions to both of you. We're going to think about uh, anxiety and how we can help in this. So who wants to go first? Yeah, Elizabeth first. Okay, so Elizabeth, hello. Uh, If you don't know, Elizabeth and I are are married. Um, So thank you for this. Uh, So Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about your journey, I suppose, with anxiety. Okay, so um, uh, about almost two years ago, I had a baby and um, when I brought her home, I had obviously, there was so many different things happening. Um, So I think as a new mum, you do have anxiety um, and, you know, you're worrying about certain things, your whole life has changed, everything's different. Um, And so from the moment I brought her home, I had anxious thoughts And in the beginning, you're kind of trying to figure out, is this normal anxiety? Like, I've got to feed this baby. I should be thinking about that kind of stuff, normal. Um, And then, yeah, you kind of figure out where are you on the spectrum of normal anxiety or crazy anxiety. Um, And I think for my situation, I was waiting to see if the anxiety would decrease, um, but the anxiety just increased um and didn't go away and it like increased um to the point where i think i felt like and ben will probably attest to this i felt like i was like a prisoner in my home without anyone locking any doors or anything i just my mind couldn't get me out of my house and it was very difficult for me to do um, small tasks and stuff like that um, so yeah, when I was talking to people, people would say, oh yeah, I, I found that difficult, but I think um, it took a while for me to realise like this isn't like normal um, and this I should be able, like by now, like I shouldn't be still having these crazy thoughts. Um, yeah, so I think that was my situation. And 
I, I guess with anxiety, I went um, to the GP and that was probably six months after I had Poppy. So it was like a long time of um, trying to figure out um, yeah, what was going on in my mind. But I went to the GP and I talked to her and she did a diagnostic test with me and um, I was able to get a mental health plan with her. She um, noted that there was some issues with mental health um, from that diagnostic test. So yeah, I went to the GP, got the mental health plan, went to a counsellor um, and he was able to talk me through a lot of things and I didn't have to take any medication because of the counselling um, with my particular situation. He was able to talk to me about my anxieties and my worries and he did a thing called, like he would give me homework um, and like... I. Before Poppy, I could do whatever. I was very capable. <laughs> so, like, my homework was something like, um, yeah, you need to go to the shops for half an hour with your baby by yourself. And, like, I would go back to him and be like, I, I was able to go to the shops with my baby for half an hour. And he would talk me through, like, all my worries um, about that experience beforehand. And as Ben said when he was talking, you do feel silly when you're, like, telling someone, I can't get to the shops. But, um, yeah, it was really helpful. He was really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that experience. Um, you talked about going and seeing uh, Jono, psychologist. Um, was there anything else with that that was helpful in terms of things? I mean, you touched on it there, so there might not be, but was there anything else from him that was helpful or going along that you found? Um, he was really he was a really kind man. Yeah. So he just listened to me um, and really validated. I mean, he has four kids and I only have one. And like he could have said, like, come on, it's just one kid. <laughs> but he didn't. He was just really validated all my um, emotions and all my thoughts. Yeah. And he really talked me through it. It was really good. Yeah, cool. Now, talk to us a little bit about like the relationship between what you were feeling and your faith in that time as well. Yeah, so um, before I brought Poppy home, um, I had had the end of my pregnancy, I developed preeclampsia and I was in hospital for a while and then we had Poppy um, born early and she was in hospital for a while. So we were kind of just in survival mode, like a whole month in the hospital. Um, and yeah, so I think we were during that time very dependent on God, like you're in survival mode, you're not really thinking, you're just getting to the hospital, spending as much time as you can, going home sleeping. So um, yeah, I felt like dependent on God, we were praying a lot for Poppy, um, yeah, so I feel like God was close to us and sustaining us through that stuff. Yeah, so you felt close to God and you still felt anxious. Yes. Yeah. Um, now talk to us a little bit about, um, because yeah, People were helpful to us and to you particularly. But it's one of those things that we need to think through as a church, how we can care for people and what's helpful. And also, we're going to ask, I'm going to ask the question, what's unhelpful? Because sometimes I think we can be unintentionally unhelpful to people when they're struggling with anxiety. So can you talk to us first about what's helpful from people and then what's unhelpful? Um, what was helpful um, was obviously I had family that were supporting me, even if they didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah, Ben was, um, it was a very one-sided relationship for a long time. I was just a shell. And um, 
yeah, so Ben was putting my needs above his own needs for a lot of months. Um, and I also had my parents coming over pretty much every day to help me. So yeah, Ben would leave for work and then my parents would come over and they would stay the day and help me with stuff with Poppy. Um, and then Ben would come home. So that was like, I just had, uh, had a really good support network. Um, small things like just, I couldn't think about making, I mean, it's all in the intricacies of having a baby, but meals were really helpful. People messaging you to check in on you. Um, that was really helpful as well. Um, yeah, people listening and validating your feelings were hel was helpful as well. Mm. And only because, I, I mean, we've, we talked earlier this week about this as well. Um, you mentioned um, people lowering their expectations on you. So just oh talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. I think I had high expectations of what I would be like with a baby, um, of like what I'd be able to do. So yeah, just other people just saying like, oh yeah, you should like, yeah, I thought I'd have Poppy, be right back up here doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, yeah, so it was just like everyone's lowering their expectations of me, not expecting me to have be able to do things. That yeah. was helpful for me. Yeah, uh, I just just to say something on that as well. Sometimes with anxiety, you want to give more, but you can't. And so when people can be gracious and kind and still your friend in the middle of that, it it is a great support. Just to know, oh, in this situation, Elizabeth's not mad at me or angry at me or she doesn't hate me she just can't get out of the home yeah um it's good now talk to us about what is unhelpful sometimes unintentionally yeah i think probably i found um if anyone would say like at least the phrase at least before anything was really unhelpful like well at least you don't have five kids that you have to look after or at least something like just it just wasn't helpful even if you think it and I have been guilty of that too like minimizing people's emotions because what I was going through felt very real for me in that moment and it didn't really matter if someone in in another country had it worse like in that moment I felt like I had it worse in the whole world yeah so um yeah that kind of stuff and yeah probably just minimizing emotions which I have done in the past when I didn't understand things as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So actually connecting with people and understanding that and not uh, minimizing people's feelings or thoughts or emotions is a helpful thing and it's unhelpful to begin sentences like at least yeah. it's not something else. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for sharing with us. Um, we appreciate that. Hello, Holly. Hello. Um, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, your turn. Yep. Can you <laughs> talk to us a little bit about, yeah, I guess what anxiety is like for you? Yeah, um, mine's a little bit of a longer backstory <laughs> um, than Elizabeth. Um, I feel like even as a child, um, I had times where I was anxious or worried about something, but um, even like as a teenager, but it was kind of dismissed because my parents were like, oh no, like we don't do anxiety in this house. Um, so, but as, um, yeah, I've gotten older, I've realised actually, no, I do have anxiety um, and what that looks like for me. Um, yeah, I guess sharing what I'm anxious about is helpful. Um, sleep is a big thing for me, which is crazy being a shift worker, um, but knowing Am I going to get enough sleep? Is Bill going to have enough sleep? Is Teddy going to have enough sleep? Like, how am I going to get to work? How am I going to do night shift? Mm. Um, that's a big thing for me. Um, and 
yeah, just being able to get to work. Um, there's times that I haven't been able to get to work because I've just been so anxious that mm. like not the unknown of what the day is going to hold. Um, but then there's just general anxiety. What are people thinking? <laughs> Have I said the right thing? Um, yeah, going over the conversation a thousand times. Um, what I've said, um, um, yeah, I say things are wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been a long journey for me. Um, yeah, the anxiety journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Um, talk to us a bit about, again, the, the question of, like, faith and anxiety and how that plays out for you. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, my faith hasn't really changed in my anxiety. Like it's an everyday thing for me. So sometimes it can be debilitating and sometimes it's very mild. So um, I feel like I'm still going to church and I'm still serving and I'm still um, reading my Bible and praying and that kind of thing. So I feel like for me, it's just something that happens every day alongside my faith. Um, And I guess just reaching out to God um, in those times. I remember when Navigate was on, when the podcast Navigate, I used to listen to it on my way to work. um, And that would really help the anxiety just to calm down and Mm. distract my mind from what I was feeling and focus it back on God um, in those times. Yeah. Cool. Now, what have you found helpful in Um, this? What's been helpful? Um, yeah, I have been to psychologists. Um, it's hard going to psychologists, and I feel like it's been hard to get to the bottom of what is causing my anxiety. Mm. Um, so some, yeah, I, I feel like I need to go back to see somebody to try again to get to the bottom of why I am so crippled, especially at work, um, mm. why it is so bad. Um, medication, I'm on medication for my anxiety that has been really helpful. It keeps it at bay. It's not something I'm ashamed of. It's something that I've just had to go, okay, this is something that's going to help me every day to get through the day. Um, I mean, I'm not that bad, but it's just like, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's something that is helpful. And I know when I haven't taken my meds for a few days, oh heck, like those really, those feelings, it's a whole body experience Mm. um, and my heart races and yeah, everything like that. So yeah, Yeah. it's something that, um, yeah. Um, and d- is it like what people? Wha- well, no, yeah. let's just, let's just pause just there. That. Yeah, yeah, just that. No, thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. so helpful. And just to reiterate that, you know, like if we were getting medication for an infection, of course you wouldn't feel shame for that. You don't even talk about that, right? So uh, appreciate you saying that. Um, and it's helpful that we might need medication for our anxiety. And there's no shame attached to that. A doctor's told us to take that. So that's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Now, yeah, let's talk about what people... What, what we can do, what people can do that's helpful. And then uh, let's start there and then we'll go to the unhelpful yeah. one. Um, I find it more helpful to think about like what people like do that is unhelpful. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that's okay. Good. Like Good. just uh, saying um, or like think about something else when you're like worried about that thing or like once you get to work, it'll be fine, um, which is sometimes helpful, but not really because at that moment it's not. Um, yeah not good so things that are helpful I guess is just yeah again acknowledging how I'm feeling um it must be just like saying that sucks that you have to feel that way or that must be really hard what can I do to help you and putting it back on me to say actually I there's nothing you can do I just want to talk about it pretty Mm -hmm. much is Mm -hmm. um yeah I've called up 
um, yeah, Ash in the <laughs> night crying and um, going, I can't get to work and just praying over the phone um, has been really helpful and just, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just this, and then, yeah, a peace can come over you in that, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. It's really helpful um, to, in the middle of that, to not try and solve people's problems yep. um, and to simply ask that question, what can I do to help? Um, just to speak into that as well, I remember with Elizabeth, when we were going through that, um, I was seeing the psychologist at the same time as Elizabeth, and he told me to do the same thing. And that's very hard for me because I always just want to solve the problem. And so to connect and understand and then simply go, what can I do to help, is the best thing that we can actually do in the middle of that. Because you try and solve it and you 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 pick the wrong line to pick. Yeah. You can't you can't solve it. Phil knows that we just watched some TV before <laughs> <laughs> work or something yeah. like that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well thank you so much both of you for sharing that. Um, Again, just to kind of read that. So one in four of us will struggle with this. So for Elizabeth and Ollie to get up on stage and be honest about this is such a gift to us all. I think both of them would be willing to talk about this as well uh, in, yeah, what this looks like for them. Uh, I too have struggled with this. So I'm among the crew uh, here at Southside. But I think we do need to think about how we process it personally, but also how we can love and care for other people in the middle of this as well. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I'm going to pray. Uh, can we thank Holly and Elizabeth? Thank you. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to sing our final song together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for your grace to us, Lord, that you are a God who looks after us, who sees us, who knows us, and who provides for us. Father, in this very real issue, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to be gracious to us. Father, for those of us who are here this morning, um, this may have been a, a triggering experience. This might have been something that is very close to them. For others of us here this morning, we, um, our role, we have people close to us who struggle with this. Wherever we're at in this, Lord, we pray that you would give us the wisdom and the grace to work through worry and anxiety and to love people who are in the middle of this. Father, as your church, we know that we are not the ones who have it all together, but you are. And Jesus, you have done everything that we need. You've given us everything that we need at the cross. And so we pray for help in this, to remember this and to live out of this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.